Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Three Days. There are three distinct days to Passion Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. We're highlighting all three in this mini-series. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. And so when we think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and why is the resurrection so significant, how did the resurrection change everything? Because many people don't realize how the resurrection changes everything about history. In fact, when you write your birthday down in 2019, it's 2019 from what? 2019 from the birth of Christ. Basically, the resurrection, the birth of Christ, splits history. And most people don't realize that when we say B.C., we're talking about before Christ. And then when we talk about A.D., it's not after death. It actually means uh, uh, Anno Domini. Or, uh, yeah, Anno Domini means basically saying the year of the Lord. And so Jesus Christ is such a significant figure in history because of who he is and because of what he did. And so and that's why if you're here today for the first time, you're wondering why are we shouting? Why are we excited? Well, if you can shout for the Dodgers, if you can shout for the angels, we can shout for Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you've if you ever been to a, any of these stadiums, those people go crazy there. I mean, they paint themselves. At least we're not painting ourselves and painting our belly at a football game, right? But, but, but they're fanatics because they're worshiping their team because they love their team. Well, we love Jesus with all of our heart, and he's our champion. Why? Because he resurrected from the dead. Now, who do you know that resurrected from the dead? Yet Jesus rose again from the dead. And what's amazing, amazing about Jesus is Jesus never wrote anything down. He never wrote a book. He never wrote a letter. And yet there are more things written about Jesus than any other person in history. There's not even a close second. All So many books, so many volumes of things have been written about Jesus. Jesus never wrote a song. And it was real. I mean, when you think about that, he never composed any music. He never wrote a song, and yet the greatest music over the last 2,000 years has been written by the church. In fact, most of the singers out there that you hear on the radio, you all there, they first started singing in church about Jesus and worshiping Jesus. So, so you're wondering why they have a spectacular voice. They learned it in church. And most of you may not know this, but Jesus never built any buildings Yet there are more architectural buildings in honor of Jesus than any other buildings in the world. And I can go on and on. He never drew any pictures. He never built any statues. Yet there's more art that is dedicated to Jesus than anything in history. And think about this. Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown. And yet there are followers of Jesus and every nook and cranny around the world because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. When we begin to think about that, when we begin to think about who he is, Jesus is so powerful today, and he wants to bring resurrection life to you. So I'm going to read a verse of scripture here out of John chapter 11, verse 25. And he simply says this, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Then he said, uh, the, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And so I want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to help us as 
we go into this message today. Father, we thank you today for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for every single person in this building. Lord, today as we're here, we're celebrating Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there are many people here today that don't know you. There are many people here today that are just wondering what it's all about. And I pray that the message of the word of God would minister to them, that, Lord, that they'll realize that the word of God is relevant even in 2019, it's not outdated. It applies to every part of their life right now. And, Father, there are many people here in different places in their life right now. And I pray that the word of God would just speak to their heart. Open their minds and hearts to the word. I pray for your anointing as I declare the word of God. And that your people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, the people said. Amen. And so in case you're wondering what exactly is or resurrection, because I've had people ask me that, and they go, you keep saying resurrection, what that means? That means when something dies, what? It comes back to life, right? That's what it means. Now, resurrection is not something that happens after you drink your first cup of coffee. That does, that's not a, you may look like a resurrection, because I've known a lot of people before they drink their coffee, they look like a semi-truck hit them, and they got to have their coffee, you know. Uh, also, if, 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 wherever your job is, you'll actually, wherever you work, you actually see a resurrection every day. About 5 o'clock, the dead come back to life. You ever seen those people at work? They're clock watchers, you know, they're looking at the one, and they're all dead. But all of a sudden, it's 5 o'clock. They're happy again. Their whole life came back in just one minute. And so, uh, but that's not a resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is once he was dead, and he conquered death, sin, and the grave, and he rose again. And so when Jesus made this statement in this particular story in John chapter 11, there's more to this story than meets the eye. There's a lot going on in the context of this story. In fact, this story is a lot much broader than just him saying, I am the resurrection in the life. In fact, he's talking about another guy who had just died and his name was Lazarus. And so we're going to begin to read the story in just a little bit and want to kind of emphasize a number of different things concerning the life of Lazarus and really concerning three different people in that story and how those three different people relate to you. And we can identify with them in so many different ways. You may even see yourself in this story. And so I'm going to take a different angle concerning the resurrection. So out of John chapter 11, I'm going to begin to read just a few verses here in verse number one. Now, a man named Lazarus was very sick. In other words, he was so sick, if you begin to read the rest of the story, he's on the verge of death, and in fact, he does die later. And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So he had two sisters. And verse number three, so the sisters went, or they sent word to Jesus. In other words, they wanted Jesus to, to know. They said, Lord, the one that you love is very sick. And the reason why that word is used, the one that you love, because Jesus was very close to this family, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, but he was very close to this family, and they, they told Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Now, I want to say this to you before I move on, because unfortunately, a lot of us today, you've maybe had some bad news in the middle of your good life. You may have had some news that you did not expect. And I want to acknowledge there are probably some people here today, as much as we're celebrating, 
And as much as we're excited about the resurrection, and maybe you're excited about getting together with your family today, there are some people in this room right now, you're not in a good season in your life. In fact, you may be even hurting. Maybe you've got some bad news come to you unexpected, and maybe there's been some direct bad news given to you. Maybe you have a loved one like they did, like Mary and Martha did, who was very sick. Maybe you have a loved one that maybe, uh, maybe someone told you or a loved one that's gotten cancer. I know there's a number of people in here that just recently had some loved ones die. And that could be very hurtful. And that could be very wounding when you have people that are close to you that have just passed away. Maybe you're married here today and that, and that marriage that you thought was was just this dream marriage has turned into a nightmare. And you're wondering, what am I going to do with that? Or maybe you have some close friendships that ain't working out right now, and you're wondering what's going to happen with that. Or perhaps if you're a parent, you got a call from the principal's office about your teenager, and it's not about he's going to be on the honor roll either. It's something else. And so all of us can relate probably to getting bad news in the middle of something that you did not expect. Uh, just recently, uh, this couple days ago, my, my family and I, we went to go see this movie, Breakthrough. How many have ever heard of the movie Breakthrough recently? Anybody? And so it's, it's, a, great, it's a great movie. I recommend you go see it because I think it's very inspirational. Uh, and, and again, it's a true story. It's based on a mother's love for her son. This woman named Joyce, she had a son by the name of John, actually an adopted son, her only son. And unfortunately, what happens is he's out in the ice with his friend, and they fall through the water. And they fall through the freezing water, and he's submerged. The true story, he's submerged underwater. I'm going to give you a little bit of the spoiler here, but it's worth still seeing. Even though you know the storyline, it's worth seeing. By the time EMTs arrive there, he's been submerged underwater for more than 15 minutes. They say between 15 to 20 minutes, he'd been submerged, and uh, they transport him to the hospital, and uh, they, uh, they begin to do CPR. By the time the mother arrived, they had been trying to bring him back to life for 45 minutes. When you add the 45 minutes to the 15 to 20 minutes, over an hour, his body had been lifeless, uh, and she arrives uh, at the hospital. Talk about ex unexpected bad news. Now, I'll go back to that story in just a moment. But Jesus is here in verse number four when he hears the bad news about uh, his friend named Lazarus. In verse four, it says, when he heard this news, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory, so what? So that God's son may be glorified through it. In other words, the very thing that you would never, ever want to happen, the very thing that you won't want to happen in your life, suddenly the scripture said God's glory is going to bring God's glory to his son. Even in your worst news, the Bible says that God can get glory out of it. In other words, God can change the tide. Are you listening to me? Now, in verse number 5 through 14, I'm not going to read all those verses, but I'm going to summarize the story because some of you may know the story. You may not, but it's a simple story. The Bible says that, that after Jesus is given the news, they're expecting, of course, that Jesus is going to respond. 
They're expecting, of course, that Jesus immediately is going to drop everything because he's close to this family, and he's going to go immediately to the aid and go pray for his friend uh, uh, Lazarus. If you know the story, Jesus had visited the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus uh, various times. They, they've opened their home uh, to give him a meal, and so, uh, of course, they're expecting that Jesus is going to respond. Can I tell you what Jesus does? Zero. Zilch, nada. In fact, he's just hanging out. I don't know if he went to the beach, Starbucks. I don't know what he did. For, for two days, the Bible says, that he does nothing. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't respond. There's no urgency. And I want you to think about this because it's a, it takes 24 hours from where he's at to get to Lazarus, where Lazarus is at. So it took a day for the messenger to give him the message. And then it took... And then he waited another two days to finally respond. And so that's one, that's two, and then three, and then four to finally get there. And so finally for two more days, he's chilling out. And then he finally tells his friend, you know what? I think we ought to go to Judea. I think, I think it's time now. Duh. I think it was time in the moment you got your message. But, of course, Jesus is saying, you know what? He said this in the following verse. He said, Nazareth has fallen asleep, and we need to go wake him up. And so he decides at that point, finally, he realizes Lazarus is dead. Not that he's tired. He's not saying that he's asleep like we go to sleep. But he's saying that Lazarus is dead. And finally, he said, let's go over there. And, and go and uh, bring assistance. Uh, and there's a lot of things going on in this story that I think a lot of us can relate to. In fact, I'm going to talk about three different characters in this story and how we can see ourselves in one of these characters. One of them is Thomas. The other one is Mary. And the other one is Martha. And I want to talk about how three different ways that we can be dying inside and we need a resurrection. Can you say amen? The first one is Thomas. And we're going to talk about him because he's in the story too. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring a verse about him, how he comes in the story. But I don't know if you know who Thomas is in the Bible. He's known in the church world as Doubting Thomas. How many of you have ever heard of Doubting Thomas? And he's known as Doubting, Doubting Thomas. He's the, he's the guy that doubts. And doubt is killing him. And the reason why he is known as Doubting Thomas is because after Jesus rose again from the dead and all the disciples had seen him, he still doubted. He said, I doubt it. I know he didn't actually say that, but he said, I don't believe. In fact, let me read you a verse of scripture here about what happened, okay? So we're looking over at John chapter 20. This, uh, it should be up on the screen. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, say Didymus. Now, that's a bad rap name, right? If you had a, the rap, you know, that's a bad rapper's name. Yeah, did a miss, man, did a miss. Uh, you know, anyway, so he goes, now Thomas did miss, uh, also known as did a miss, one of the two. I could have wore, wore the gold chain and just said did a miss like this. But anyway, now Thomas, also, I'm going crazy now. Now Thomas, I didn't do that the first service, okay? Now Thomas, also known as did a miss, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He was, you know, making a rap record and everything. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. They said, we've seen him. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were 
and put my hand in his side, I will not believe because they, they put a spear through his side. But a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, immediately he looks at Thomas, doubting Thomas. He said, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. And then what did he say? Stop doubting and believe. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop doubting. Yep, stop doubting and believe. And immediately Thomas started believing. He said, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is why Thomas is known as the doubter. And in fact, when we go back to this story of Lazarus, we see a little bit of doubt in this. In fact, a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, the Bible says in verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, after he heard that Lazarus was dead, he said, let us also go that we may die with him. In other words, things ain't going to work out that good for us, so we might as well just go and die too. And I'm curious to, I'm really curious, how many here today, if we're honest, you in your walk with God or even spiritually, you said, I've had some spiritual doubt in my, in my life before. Raise your hand. All right. The rest of you, uh, as you polish your halo, I want to talk to the real, <laughs> real people here for the next two minutes. That are really, you know, we've all doubted. I've been there. Even as a pastor, I've had some doubt in my life. There's some things in my life that I've struggled with that I wonder, why, God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why? I prayed this prayer, and I kept praying. It didn't seem like anything happened, and boom, you know, doubt hits you. You get bombarded with all kinds of things that happen. And I can imagine that's exactly what happened with Thomas. I've had people here in my own church, even kids that grew up in church, and they end up going to college, and then some professor who thinks he knows everything tells them, oh, all that stuff, don't believe the Bible. And they come back, they're full of doubt, they're wondering, man, why, why this and why that? Or, or maybe something happened in your life really bad, maybe in your family or something personally that has caused you to doubt God. And maybe you've even said, well, if he's powerful, how come he didn't stop it? And so a lot of us could be like Thomas. We can be a doubting Thomas. How many can say amen? The second person that I want to look at is Mary. And she's not full of doubt. I'm sorry. She's not full of doubt, but she is dead in her discouragement. And I want you to see why in this story. The Bible says in verse 20 of John chapter 11, Mary's very discouraged. I'm going to tell you why. When Martha heard the news that Jesus was coming. Now, finally, he comes after, you know, day number four, he finally shows up. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, she went out to meet him. In other words, she's excited. But what did it say? But Mary stayed home. In other words, it kind of gives us the picture that Mary was a little discouraged. And she may have been thinking, why are you here now after four days? Why are you here now? Now you're responding to the message. I, we text you four days ago. We've seen the bubbles on there, and you, we can see that you received the message. You know how that, you know, that you're thinking you're going to get a message back, and then the bubbles go away. How many know what I'm talking about? And so you sent the message. We've seen it got delivered, because you have the app. It says delivered and read. 
So Jesus, don't tell me you didn't know. Four days ago, Martha, you go out and meet him. I'm staying here. I don't got time for that. She's discouraged. How many can relate to what I'm saying? She said, man, why now? And honestly, a lot of us this morning, you could be a little discouraged about your situation. You could be saying, man, nothing's going to change. It's going to stay the same old way. Maybe you're discouraged. You say, I feel like I'm stuck. Some of us can even say, I'm stuck in this dead-end job. Nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to go anywhere. And we were kind of a little depressed. Maybe even your own marriage, you're a little depressed. And on the outside, we may look good. You got your Easter clothes on today. You know, you, you, know, you know the lingo, praise the Lord. And I'll raise the hallelujah. And you're doing all of that. But inside, you're dying with discouragement. Inside, you're dead with discouragement. There's a lot of things in your life that you're discouraged about, and you're wondering, why are these things happening? You're not filled with doubt. You're filled with discouragement. Then I want to look at the third person in this story, and that's Martha. And a lot of us could probably relate to Martha. The Bible says she runs out to Jesus, and she says this in verse 17, on his, uh, basically, she runs out to Jesus, and, 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 and she's wondering, Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died, she says. Now, when you think about that, she was filled, or she was dead because of delay. How many of us this morning were saying, man, God, if you'd have showed up on the right time, things would have been different. Because God delays sometimes, we think, man, how is this going to happen? Look at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb. How many days? Four days. Now, why does that matter? During that time, there was this folktale or this myth that if a person died, that their spirit would hang around for three days. It's not a Bible thing. It's not a Christian thing. It's just a myth that people believe during that time. So after four days, the spirit left. They were dead dead. There was no chance. So she made it very clear. Lord, he's been dead for four days. It's over. And then she describes to Jesus. She said, Jesus, she said, by now, he's thinking. I like that's how the King James says it. It's kind of a holy way of saying he stank. He's thinking, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you think. No, don't tell him that. But he thinketh. Holy way of saying he stank. And she says in verse 11, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Why didn't you come when we told you? Why didn't you come when we sent you the message? And many times we feel that this delay that God didn't answer our prayer when we thought that, you know, can I be honest with you? Many times our delays doesn't significantly mean that those are God's denials. Delays are not necessarily God's denials. It may not be your timing. It may not be the way you want it to be. And so we get frustrated. We're saying, God, where are you? What, what's happening? I, I've been praying. I thought this was going to work out this way. Because in our mind, we have a timeline, but God's timeline is different than your timeline. And so we try to say, God, where are you? And we get mad. Maybe you're here today. And, you know, I meet a lot of uh, uh, many of the young Christian girls who, who are wondering, man, when am I going to get married? My friends are getting married, and that girl's getting married, and this girl, and I'm always the bride main. When am I going to be the bride? I don't know, let's talk to that boyfriend of yours right now. No, I'm not going to put no pressure. Bro, when are you going to propose? I mean, what's happening? 
I mean, what do you need? To do? Anyway, we'll move on to the next thing. And, and so we're thinking to ourselves, we're a little discouraged, or maybe you're here and you've been trying to have a baby, and, and Digga and Jessica can tell you that story. And you, man, you're wondering, man, when are we finally going to have a baby? And I mean, your friends in your life group, I mean, the, that couple just looks at each other and they're having twins already. They, you know, just, they're having triplets. I mean, they just have babies just like that. I'll be honest with you, we had a, we had a couple years ago in, in church in Maywood, years ago, back in the early 80s, and, and this lady could not have any kids, and so they had the, uh, the ladies in the church said, we're going to go pray over your bed. I'm going, man, I've never heard of this before. They went and prayed over this lady's bed. They put oil, they put oil on the bed, they're praying over this bed. We, can I tell you something? It was not long after that, that woman had a baby. The next year, she had another baby. The following year after that, she had another one. They finally said, man, you know what? I, she said, I think I've had enough. So the husband, you know, he went, they went and fixed him up. And the following year, they had baby number four. They said, man, the miracle needs to stop. And so she finally had to tie her tubes. I mean, God, when God does the miracle, it just keeps flowing and flowing. You better watch out what you pray for. Anyway, I just thought I'd tell you, it's a true story. I'm, I'm being honest with you. But many times you feel dead in your delay and you're wondering, man, but let me just say again, God's delays are not necessarily God's denial. Now, here's what I thought was very interesting as I begin to read this particular chapter in John chapter 11, that the first 21 verses, everything happens bad in the first 21 verses. You don't have to read it now because I'm preaching, but you could take it home and read it. But you read the first 21 verses of John chapter 11, everything in bad happens. Lazarus dies. Thomas is freaking out with doubt. Mary is depressed you know, and discouraged. Martha, you know, she's mad that Jesus didn't show up. So for the first 21 verses, everything bad is happening. And I begin to think about 21 because I know, you know, 21 years old and all this stuff, but I begin to think about 20. They say, experts say that it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. How many have ever heard that before? takes 21 days. A lot of us have very, there's even a book out there that talks about 21 days it takes to break a bad habit. In other words, for 21 days, unless you start, in order to break that cycle, you got to start doing something new for 21 days. Otherwise, you're not going to break that cycle. So it takes 21 days to break a bad habit. So everything happening in this story for the first 21 verses is bad. But then I want you to read verse number 22. Because in verse number 22, this is what she says. All of a sudden, there's a shift. And she says, but even now, say even now. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Even though you are dead in your delay, even though you are dead in your discouragement, even though you're dead in your doubt, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Can I be honest with you today? Some of us need an even now moment. I said some of us need an even now moment right now. 
when I go back to this story about this movie in Breakthrough, this mother received the bad news that her son John had been uh, submerged underwater for, for over 15 minutes. This has to be the mother's worst nightmare. By the time she gets to the hospital again, they have been doing or performing 45 minutes of CPR without any effectiveness. The doctor said when they interviewed him, when the mom came rushing in, uh, the doctor was going to tell her, listen, uh, this is futile. Uh, there's no need. Uh, uh, he's dead. We tried, we tried to bring him back, uh, but nothing has happened. Uh, but this woman by the name of Joyce, uh, this woman had a deep abiding faith in Jesus. Uh, she walked up inside the room uh, and grabbed a hold of his feet. Uh, they were cold. Uh, they were gray. Uh, can I tell you something? she had an even now moment. And she said this, she goes, I remembered in my church hearing the scripture over and over, the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can raise up us from the dead. And so she prayed, she said, Holy Spirit, please give me back my son. And can I tell you, one minute later, there was a heartbeat and her son came back to life. Now, the story went viral, and 20th Century Fox got a hold of it, and they made a movie. In fact, it's out this week because it is the only viable re uh, resurrection in modern history by unanimous consent in the Western world. Everyone had the grief that this boy was once dead, and now he's alive. And friend today, can I tell you what? We need an even now moment right now in your life. I said, even now, God can do something in your life. Whether you're discouraged, whether you're filled with doubt, whether you're filled with delay, God can give you an even now moment. Come on, somebody give God the praise today. See, I'm here to tell you, it may seem impossible with you, but what's impossible with man is possible with God. God can change things around in your life. All you have to know today is you don't have to stay in verse 21. You need to move to verse number 22. And the Bible says this, and Martha said, and he told Martha in verse 24, he said, your brother will rise again. I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last days. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life and the one who believes in me will live even though they die and Jesus is saying you know what resurrection is not an event resurrection is the person Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life today in your situation see dead things don't have to stay dead when resurrection walks in the room can you say amen and so Jesus shows up where Lazarus is too Remember, he's thinking by now. Remember that. And in verse number 43, he says, take away the stone. And Jesus shouts out with a loud voice. He said, move the stone. Now, I'm wondering, why did Jesus have to shout? Why did he speak so loud? Because dead people have a hard time hearing. I'm just be honest with you. But he shouted out. 
He said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said he was wrapped in, in, in these cloths like, a, you know, they wrapped the dead people up like almost like a mummy. So when he said, come forth, the Bible said he had the clothes. So it's the first place where we see the bunny hop. That man came out hopping. And they say, take his cloth. That's where they got the bunny hop from. And they took the cloth off of him. And can I tell you, Lazarus was alive and well because the resurrection got a hold of him. Can you say amen? And some of you may feel dead inside. Some of you have lost your faith. Some of you have lost your way in discouragement. Some of you have lost your way in doubt. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus came to roll the stone away out of your life. He can forgive you. He can change you. He can transform your situation. See, a lot of us this morning, man, you're dead in different areas in your life. And God's trying to wake you up. You've given up hope in certain situations. You've given up hope in your circumstance. And you say, well, I'm here to tell you God can resurrect it today. There are testimonies after testimony in this building that God gave new life in the situations. Marriages that were dead, marriages that were in shambles, God healed. Are you listening to me? Lives that were all messed up, man. And people that have been in prison, people that are, their life were bound. But man, God got a hold of them and Jesus turned them around. And don't get me wrong, God can save you goody two-shoes too. I, you, you're a saint, I know that. But God can change your life because your little self-righteousness, God can change your life. God can do something in you. Take away the bitterness. Take away the pride. Can you say Amen. Because we think we're better than everybody. We think we got it all together. You may look together on the outside, but on the inside is rotten, man. Only God can change you from the inside out. Can you say amen? See, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he was the perfect sacrifice. See, it's important to know that Jesus was born of a virgin. Many people don't realize this morning, why is that important? Because when Jesus was born, he did not inherit the sin from the Father, the seed of the Father, which basically passes on the sin to you. In other words, that sin nature was not passed by a human father, but it was the divine nature that was passed on by the heavenly Father. Are you listening to me? And so he didn't have the sin nature that you and I did. And the Bible says he lived the perfect life. So he was the perfect lamb without blemish, without wrinkle. He was able to take upon our sins. And he took it because he was perfect. He took our sins. He paid the price for us so that we can be forgiven. So when Jesus spoke that last word on the cross, it is finished. Salvation is complete. You can be saved. You can be changed. God can resurrect anything in your life. That is the power of God. Come on, somebody. That is the power of God. So what I want to say to you today, no matter what situation you're in, you can get out of verse 21 and start getting now into verse 22. You need to get in the even now moment where God can touch your life. My friend, today, this Easter Sunday can make the biggest difference in your life today. I want the musicians to come. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. And just close our eyes for just a moment today. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.